The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to episode number 185 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, which is the ninth episode in our Civil Engineering Entrepreneur Series, I will be speaking with Brian Barker, Principal at Doolin Associates in Clearwater, Florida. Brian has a bachelor's degree in civil and environmental engineering from the University of South Florida, as well as a master's degree in engineering management from the University of South Florida. And he's going to talk about how he kind of came in to his company because he didn't start the company, but he came in, he was able to purchase the firm with someone else, and then they've been growing it for the past 15 years. He's got some really awesome tips on growing a company, what services to offer, how you can lead. He has a special philosophy. I was really, really interested in hearing what he had to say because of the way that he came into the company. And he also came from the public sector. So he took a pretty big leap of faith coming from 10 years in the public sector and then becoming an owner in a private civil engineering firm. I'm your host for the podcast, Anthony Fasano. I am a civil engineer by background, and I now focus on helping engineers become better managers and leaders. Before we jump into my conversation with Brian, this is a free podcast and our sponsors help us keep it free. So we ask that you please support them. Now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode and this entire Civil Engineering Entrepreneur Series, Big Time. Big Time is the industry-leading PSA software providing time tracking, billing, and project management for engineering firms with the goal of getting your business back to business. You can learn more about Big Time's PSA solution at bigtime.net. Big Time would also like to provide this tip to our listeners about client retention. Preventing client churn starts internally. If you invest in your employees, listen, and provide the resources for them to be successful, you'll be more likely to keep them and see a payoff with your clients. Consistency is key to building trusting relationships. I also want to remind you that at EMI, we do people skills leadership training. You know, how do you interact with people that drives your success in the world of civil engineering? We also do project management training and we do custom training. So you can contact us. We could bring our curriculum to your company. We do some interviews. We work with some of your staff and we build a custom program that mixes some of our curriculum strategies and concepts with your specific verbiage, case studies and lessons learned from your projects to create a top-notch custom training program that you can deliver for years. And it's a great recruiting tool, it's a great development tool, and it's also a great retention tool. And if you're interested in a program like this or our general programs that you can enroll your staff in, please contact us at 800-920-4007. Again, that's 800-920-4007. Or visit our website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. All right, now it's time to dive into our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Brian Barker. Brian is a principal at Doolin Associates in Clearwater, Florida. Brian, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Brian, you're a principal in the firm. Let's start by understanding your backstory. How did you end up at Doolin? Back in 1999, 
I started my career as a civil engineer, basically as a civil servant working for the city of Clearwater. And I worked at the city for about six years and worked my way up to uh, running the stormwater group. When an opportunity arose, a gentleman by the name of Fred Duell, who was a pioneer in the Tampa Bay area, licensed engineer, licensed surveyor, we became aware that he was looking to retire after being in business since 1954. At the same time, it turned out my boss at the city and I were actually doing side work nights and weekends, doing a lot of retail, residential site development at the time. So this was during boom time back in 2005 when the market was going crazy. And we had some survey crews working for us on the side. My partner, Al Carrier is his name, uh, has a surveyor's license. So we were actually employing some of Fred Duell's surveyors on the weekend. So we got to know them and know Mr. Duell. And the timing was right. Worked out a deal with him. He wanted to retire. We were both kind of getting bored working for the government and kind of jumped off the cliff together and came to terms with Fred Duell and became Duell Associates back in 2005. So here we are 15 years later. First of all, congratulations. I mean, obviously, if you're still doing it 15 years later, you're doing something right. So congratulations to you guys. But one question that I'd have on that, which is really interesting to me, is it definitely sounds like a big leap from working in a government position where, you know, as a young engineer, you haven't had a lot of business experience to kind of take that leap and jump into when you're the owner of a business, you're responsible for a lot more than just the technical engineering. And so what gave you the confidence to take that leap and how did you navigate that in the beginning? To be honest with you, I was bored working the normal hours with the set salary, counting on a three, four percent increase every year. Just, you know, got stale and and then some of it was stupidity, you know. Hey, I not knowing what I don't know, hey, let's jump off this cliff and see what happens. The timing was right in some regards, and then about a year and a half, two later, the recession hit. And Looking back, I was like, what the heck? What a stupid move that was, you know? So, but it all worked out. We made it through. That was back in 2007, 2008, 2009 in there. I just wanted more. I wanted to be able to to do the kind of work that I wanted to do kind of on my own terms. And I wanted more responsibility. I, you know, with that comes more money, which I was eager to learn, you know, being a young engineer. The timing was right. I didn't have a a family at the time. I was married, but you know, no kids. And it was a good time to do it. And one follow-up question that I would have on that is in terms of you know the business side of civil engineering, it's always something that it's really hard to learn. I mean, you can go to all kinds of PM training and take courses and stuff, but at the end of the day, you kind of have to manage projects and you kind of have to talk to clients and you kind of have to do the work. How did you find learning about the business, the financial side of civil engineering when you jumped into it? How did you learn or how did that process go for you? I will tell you, it wasn't easy. That was one of the biggest challenges, you know, being trained as an engineer and doing technical work. The whole side of running a business, that's a whole nother ballgame, you know, dealing with getting invoices out on a timely manner, getting clients to pay in a timely manner, Dealing with human resource issues, getting insurance, working out insurance, you know, that's a whole separate ballgame. As far as how did I learn it, 
we were lucky in some regards that existing company had a lot of those things already in place. You know, some of them good, some not so good. So it took a lot of time to, to figure it out, listening to a lot of insurance agents and payroll companies and figuring out what the difference between them all. Everybody wants to sell you something. It's just figuring out what was right for us. We were a, a small company at the time. There were about 20 of us, maybe a couple less. And then before the recession hit, we tightened our belt. We shrunk down to about nine people. That was probably the toughest part of uh, becoming basically a new business owner, was learning all the non-engineering, non-technical aspects. You start a business, there's always like the finance side of the business, but in engineering, like in civil engineering, that's a very complex side of the business. I mean, it depends on the type of clients you're dealing with. What are your billing cycles? Are you getting cash quick enough? How much AR is out there? And and on top of, I'm sure at that time, you were very still involved with the project. So you were kind of navigate both those buckets at the same time. But I will say that maybe a lesson that we can learn here from this first part of our conversation is you don't have to start a business from scratch if you're a civil engineer and you want to own a business. You know, Like Brian did, you may be able to get in on purchasing a business or joining a firm and becoming an owner, You know, buying into it in some way, shape, or form. And that may be a little bit easier, like Brian said, in that some of the systems and processes were in place from the company initially. So it wasn't like he was starting from scratch and learning from scratch completely. I mean, obviously there was lots that he had to learn himself, but there were some frameworks in place. Would you say that that's accurate, Brian? Yes, absolutely. Every day still is a learning experience, even after 15 years. There's new things every day and new costs. And, you know, we're constantly got balls in the air that we're trying to juggle and not drop. You and all business owners, especially these last couple of years with everything that's gone on between pandemics and, you know, listen, weather patterns and all kinds of, especially for you in Florida and different things that are happening. I'm sure there's always things keeping you on your toes. Let's talk a little bit about building a civil engineering company. I mean, you came into it, you started building it, you've had some ups and downs, recessions. I think every company you know, kind of has to deal with that. I think one of the things that is important about growing a company is finding people finding engineers, finding talented professionals. Talk a little bit about your approach to that. Do you have any kind of specific things you do in terms of recruiting or just trying to find people? Because that's, to me, like building your talent base, your team is highly critical. Through the pandemic and up till now, that has been our greatest challenge is finding good people. We never had to use a recruiter until last year. So 13 of the 15 years, you know, we've been able to hire mostly in the local geographical area. It's a, you know, the Tampa, greater Tampa Bay area, state of Florida, you know, it becomes a, a small place in the engineering community. We never really had problems or challenges finding the right people. But in this pandemic environment that we've been working in almost two years now, it has been very challenging. We've gone out of state. With recruiters, we've hired some folks on H-1B visas and where we've had some luck and not so good luck hiring younger people out of school and training them. But that has been a, a very big challenge for us. As we have given the recruiting world a, a try and we have found a couple good people, but obviously that adds greatly to the cost because you have to, on top of their salary, you've got to pay the recruiting fees, which we've never budgeted for, or had to budget for before. 
What do you feel that's attributed to? Do you think it's shortage of professionals or just more work, bigger projects, more companies needing to hire? I think it's a combination of the two. The business, the development environment in Florida is nothing like I've seen in my last 15 years before. The workload is very strong. And I think that's pretty same across the board and talking with our peers and other colleagues. It seems like everybody's kind of in the same boat, but construction worker shortages kind of trickles down to the actual construction after we're done designing, you know, and the owners that are coming to us and other clients, you know, they obviously want things done sooner, the better. And it's from all facets, from design to construction, everything's taking longer these days and dealing with the government agencies, you know, that were closed and working remotely and scheduling Zoom calls two months out to get a pre-application meeting to, it kind of compounds. So it's challenging. Just for some context here, what services does Dual offer and what markets do you serve? Public, private? We're full service civil engineering and we provide land surveying. So we have our own survey crews as well. We have a pretty good distribution of municipal and private work. We do a lot of work for the local municipalities in the Tampa Bay area. And we do a lot of private development, mainly commercial, doctor's offices, strip centers, storage facilities, chain restaurants, things of that nature. We cover a very broad customer client base. What advice could you offer to a civil engineer who's you know, maybe starting up a company or you know, like you joined on to a company and is looking to grow the company in terms of service offerings? I mean, I know it's always something where you need to think about. I mean, in civil engineering, you could offer a lot of different services potentially, which mm-hmm. is a good thing, of course, because that means you can get a lot of work on one project. But then, of course, you need to staff up the different divisions, different services and have different professionals. Also, there's a great opportunity to have like land surveying, which I I started out in surveying. I know how beneficial that can be to couple that with civil engineering, then having like public and private, right? In terms of different sectors. Talk a little bit about what advice you might give a civil engineer thinking about what markets to get into if they're starting a company. Well, I think more than what particular market is, try to be as broad-based as you can because you you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. If you're doing residential and residential market crashes, all your jobs get shut down. We were fortunate back in 2008 when the residential market got hit and commercial to some extent that we had a good backlog of government work. So that really kept us going. My advice would be be as broad as you can and diversify your customer base as much as you can. You don't always have a choice in the matter. It's not certainly not an easy thing to do, but Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I would imagine from talking with other business owners on this podcast that the surveying component can be extremely beneficial to a civil engineering company having that on like in-house. It is. And it's good all the way around. It's beneficial to the client and it's beneficial to our internal workflow. Being able to walk down the hallway and talk to our surveyors is easier than, you know, try to get a hold of a third-party surveyor to try to figure out a potential issue on a job site. It makes it easier. It's quicker. It lets us work out site issues, you know, before, during, and after construction. The surveying aspect is challenging. I'm not a surveyor, but I'm exposed to it every day. My partner is a surveyor, and we 
both deal with it on a daily basis and it's challenging. Surveyors are a different breed of folks with a different skill set. It certainly helps when you can speak the same language with them. I started with my first internship doing surveying. And then when I eventually get into civil engineering design, like you, I recognize that these are very different fields, but they're very complementary. Of course, one kind of goes with the other. There are some really good benefits if you're listening and you're looking to start a business. A lot of civil engineering projects will start with surveying. And if you can get the surveying side of that project, you kind of have a foot in the door in terms of getting the civil engineering work. doesn't always happen that you would get both, but it certainly can be very beneficial and an advantage. Mm -hmm. In fact, I have a really good friend, uh, Bob Mora in New Orleans, who's been on the podcast several times, and he's both a civil engineer and a licensed land surveyor. And I know that that's been extremely beneficial for him to be able to grow his company in New Orleans at a rapid Mm -hmm. pace because of having both of those services. So that's something that's definitely important to think about in considering how you're going to build your company, the services you're going to add, the team members you're going to bring on, because it can make a big difference in terms of how you can grow. Brian, how many people roughly right now are at Dual? How many employees? We have 23 presently. 23 people. You're a principal in the firm. Just give people a little peek into what, and I know every day is totally different, especially in civil engineering, but what are some of the things that you have to be focused on on a daily or weekly basis at your position in the company to kind of keep the company moving and growing? My biggest role is dealing with clients, trying to keep bringing the work in, Putting proposals together is a very big part of my day. My technical workload is a lot less than it than it was 5, 10, 15 years ago. It seems to be lessening every year as I go out and try to get more work. You know, I'm pretty active in our community here, I belong to some civic organizations and on some professional boards. A lot of the being out of the office, out in the community talking to new clients that haven't used us before, but may have heard from us from somebody else or was unhappy with another firm possibly, or dealing with other engineering firms as well. We do surveys all the time for some of the larger engineering firms, you know, that might not have the time to do something or might not want to mess with a certain job. So most of my time is basically PR, putting proposals together, things of that nature. Roughly on a percentage basis, how much percent of your time is spent on technical at this point, ballpark? I'd say maybe 15%. What I would have guessed, and it sounds like the proposal and the PR work is, I'm assuming kind of what you should be doing in a company your size. But you you said one thing there that I think is important too to key in on is from a business development standpoint, I think a lot of civil engineering professionals expect to be doing business development at some point in their career if they want to go into kind of that leadership side of the business, whether they're with a corporation or they have their own company or whatever the case may be. But I think you made a good point in that a lot of times you get a lot of business from existing customers. Maybe maybe most of your business, you know, if you have repeat clients, they're big projects. And so that's something that everyone should keep in mind out there that the quality of work you do and the keeping in constant communication with your clients is a business development driver in addition, of course, to always trying to kind of seek out maybe some new clients, new markets, new sectors, whatever the case may be. That isn't important. That client communication, I found even in the work we do in terms of training and development is really a lot of times what makes people come back to you because not everybody can does communicate that effectively with their clients. Especially today's day and age when it's so easy to shoot an email or a text message, you know, some people, they like a good phone call or a face-to-face meeting, you know, and I've found that that goes a long way. 
In terms of leadership, I mean, you have to lead your company, you're leading teams of people, I'm sure, on projects, design work. What philosophies or what practices do you have in regard to leading people in the engineering world, You know, leading project teams? What can you offer to civil engineers out there that are kind of getting into management, starting to do project management and leading some teams? What advice can you offer from some of your experiences in that field? My general philosophy, I mean, I follow that lead by example. I'm not always the first one in the office every day, but I try to be. And I try to be part of every team, every project, try to lead by example. The engineers that, that I have on, on our team, they hear me on a daily basis. We meet routinely I'm on a weekly basis to go over projects. My door is always open to my staff. I'm always there. My cell phone's always on. I will say being a business owner, I've heard people say over the years that work-life balance I don't buy into that because being a business owner, your work is part of your life. You don't get away from it. You've always got somebody that needs something or if you're not available, you're making more work for yourself later or something can obviously happen. But if you're going to to be a leader, whether it's a project manager or a owner of a business, you've got to prepare yourself mentally and physically to always be there, always have your phone on always be available. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people are prepared for. Sometimes clients call and they don't want to talk to anybody else. And they get mad if, if you're not there and you're not available to talk to them or, hey, sorry, I can't talk to you right now, but talk to this person. They don't want to hear that. It's just the fact. I just try to lead to examples as best I can and I'll keep working as hard as I can for as long as I can. That's great advice. And, you know, I think the lead by example is a great point. I remember as a civil engineer, just going to client meetings and watching my supervisor and my boss, just how he would handle the clients, how he would talk to them. I mean, those are learning moments right there. And it's not even a formal training. It's just you, like you said, working hard every day, doing the right things and people watching you and that starts to rub off on them and helps them hopefully to develop some good habits. And so... It's great to hear you say that. And I think it's hopefully advice that I'm I'm sure our listeners can take to heart. People are watching you if you're a leader. Everything you do, they're kind of feeding off of that. And that's important to remember. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and finish up with Brian and just give him a few last questions on the civil engineering career hot seat. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, we're back with Brian Barker, Brian's principal at Doolin Associates in Clearwater, Florida. He's talked a lot about his career coming into ownership of Doolin Associates and how he's been growing the firm and some of his practices and philosophies. And now we're going to pepper Brian with a couple last career-related questions. You ready, Brian? Sure. All right, so first question, are there any specific rituals you practice every day? Do you have a morning or lunchtime routine or just something that you do consistently on a daily basis? That has contributed to your success? Well, as far as rituals go, I mean, one thing that I do every day when I get up, I take my dogs for a walk, you know, get outside early, clear my head, kind of think about what's going to happen the, during the day before I start reading emails and get caught up into responding to folks. So I take about a half hour walk. My dogs enjoy it. Then uh, go home and get ready for the day ahead. That's one ritual that happens every day. And then head on into the office and start putting out fires and getting things done. So I try to exercise regularly to 
release some of that stress, you know, after hours and stuff sometimes can't always happen, but try to do that as well. Is there one book that you might recommend or like a book that you've read through your career that just, you always remember that book because it it gave you some like really game changing advice or something that it stuck with you? To be honest with you, I'm not a real big reader. The one genre that I do read and my wife gets me a, a book every year for Christmas, I read biographies of rock and roll artists nothing really that comes to mind to answer your question because I'm not a really big reader because I read so much during the day. It's not really something that I enjoy to do, but I do enjoy to learn about other people. Turned you on to rock just because you're a rock and roll fan? I always enjoy listening to rock and roll music, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, stuff that all the current artists are getting up there in age and some of them aren't going to be around much longer. I just started picking one or two to read about. Their fame and fortune and rock and roll lifestyle always interest me. So, being an, a business owner can be stressful, and things like this, simple things like reading a biography, can help to get some of that stress out and you know give you some breaks in your day. So that's great. Two more questions. First, thinking back on some of the managers that you may have had on the past, whether it was in government or at any other time in your career, and you don't have to name anyone, but if you think of a manager that you really liked or that was very helpful to you in your development. What made that person helpful? Like, what was something they did that maybe either you try to do now or that just was helpful for you in your development? It wasn't my first job out of school, but working my city job, the city engineer at the time, he was very hands off, but he would give you certain tasks to do. And he knew you would struggle with certain things just because he would hand you a project and say, Hey, I need this to get done with very little direction, you know, and he knew I was young and out of school and very little experience. And it was fun to struggle with certain challenges like that. And then I'd go back and give it to him and he'd shake his head and give me one of these. (laughs) But then he would take the time to sit down like he knew it was coming. He wanted to see if I could do it. Chances were probably not very good that I could given my skill set at the time. But then he would sit down and take the time to explain it to you. That's really all it took. So my first experience with, you know, on the job training and he expected, you know, hey, you're an engineer, you've got a degree, you've passed the test, go figure this out, giving you the just enough rope to take you down to the end of the road. So that's one thing that stands out. And I think that that's a really important management philosophy is you need to let go a little bit at some point. You got to let people try things or else they're never really going to be able to learn them on their own. At the same time, though, you're not going to just let them, like you said, give them an unlimited leash where you know they just keep going and going and going. You're going to have to check on them and give them support and keep them on the right track. But I'm glad you brought it up because I do think sometimes it takes people too long to get to that point as a manager. And then the people, you're kind of stunting the development of the people that you're leading, which is challenging. So it was a fine kind of line to walk there, but definitely an important one. So I've got one last question for you here. We call this the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer who was less experienced than you, you only had about 30 to 40 seconds to give him or her advice on their career. What advice would you share with them in that short period of time? Try not to be that stereotypical engineer. Come out of your box force yourself to be a good communicator. Pick up the phone, get out from behind your computer, drive down the street, go meet somebody in person, you know, go down to the municipality and talk to reviewers in person. Make yourself well-rounded. 
and communication is a big part of that. And it's not for everybody. A lot of engineers like to sit in the corner and crunch numbers and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not me. That's not my personality and not what I like to do. But I think if you want to be in a management or leadership role, you've got to be a good communicator. And it's not easy to learn or to get there. You just have to, and not always comfortable, I guess I should say. So you've got to come out of your box and make yourself do it. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, you got to push yourself beyond your kind of comfort zone there and it's not going to feel comfortable. But like you said, the more you do something, the more, the better you'll get at it. And oftentimes, from my experience, those are the things you probably need to be doing, the things that you're not Uh comfortable with. That's kind of like a sign that you you should do that. And it's good to hear you say that. Brian Barker, principal at Doolin Associates in Clearwater, Florida. Brian, I just want to thank you for taking some time out of, you know, you know, you have a busy day today, but I appreciate the time and I'm sure our listeners are going to take a lot of value out of what you shared here today. Well, good. I hope so. I thank you for having me. It's been fun. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brian. You couldn't see Brian on the audio version of the podcast, but he was sitting in his car. I mean, busy guy, owns the business going from project site, going to client meeting to client meeting, but he took the time out to share some of his career experiences, especially his experience as a civil engineering business owner with us. And for that, I'm very appreciative. You can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 185. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.